Hello and welcome to the Sela Sofa podcast. We've got part two this week with Pastor Andrew Morell. I'm very excited to go even deeper into what we were talking about last week, talking about this rest and, and finding how community is so important to getting to that final decision to where we're going to find our identity. Is it going to be in the things that we do and who we want to be, or is it going to be in who Jesus already is? Let's hear more from Pastor Andrew Morell today. Here we go. I want to talk some more about Iowa and what you think the most impactful thing is that you've observed about communities here at Iowa. Yeah. Um, at Iowa, uh, in, during my time in school as a student here, and then because we are a church where many students in, from Iowa and Taylor both, both come to our church, they attend our church, or even members have been members at different times at our church, um, one of the things, there's, there's some things I think that are, are both positive and there's some things that there's some growing edges, right? There's some things that I think that, I don't think it's just I woo, I think it's, it's academia. I think it's, and I think it's also American Christianity. Uh, in terms of like mission minded, I think that um, we're, we are trying to train students here to be mission minded, to think about mission uh, and, and to think about um, how God wants to use students in the world, in the neighborhood, in the community, right? And I think that's an asset here. I think that I think that that is a good thing in terms of thinking about mission, um, sending students out uh, to to make our communities better places. I think that is a noble uh, characteristic of IWU, and I appreciate that. One of the things I think about is the, the acts of kindness that they do, right? However, it can't stop there. Right. I think one of the challenges with IWU at the same time and what happens here is that um, when we think about making an impact, we have to think about relationships. Uh, I think that the students are overly busy here. I think that we have professors that go to our church, too, or members of our church. And I think that the professors are overly worked, I think, in terms of like, what does Sabbath look like for students and professors? Like, this is one of the Ten Commandments, right? And I have not seen one Christian institution in America take seriously the Sabbath. Here, the Sabbath, in terms of the language of the Sabbath, is the longest one of the Ten Commandments. And yet, because our, our, our identity primarily in America is found in performance and success and work, we dishonor the Lord by not keeping the Sabbath. And I'm not just talking about one day a week. We also dishonor the Lord in not honoring the limitations of people, of students, right, of professors. And what we do is we keep putting more and more and more on them. And these are the kinds of Christians that we are reproducing for the world to where they're, they're they're detached from what it means to rest and to find our identity in the finished work of Jesus Christ and not our work. I think that is I think that we are wow. causing much harm in Christian academia because we are neglecting Sabbath. You can talk to professors right now, ask them about their workload, ask them about their teaching load, ask them about their rest, and you'll find out that they have had it up to the gills. Students as well. There's always a project, there's always a paper, there's always a book. And I'm not education is important. But again, what kind of Christians are we forming? in Christian institutions, and where does the Sabbath 
come into play. Rest, finding our identity in the finished work of Christ and not our work. Wow. I mean, I think that is a very valid call out. You know, you want to look at the Ten Commandments and you want to say, like, there's these things that we that our society enforces. And there's things that as a Christian institution, you say, you know, you don't want people lying. You don't want people like doing those types of things. You want people to be moral. But where is if if the Sabbath is important to God, where is it being important to university? And how are how is that being enforced and and offered to students here? Thank you so much. So I do want to ask that then. I mean, I've been hearing a trend that it's harder to say it as a student, but how did you find rest as a student, and how do you find rest now? Well, I think one of the things for me, this is one of the distinctions I've made, because there were some things that I just didn't catch on as a student. And the reason why is because I didn't live on campus. I lived at home. I was married. I had a family. I had a full-time job, right? And so then there was, some, there, there was a culture that, that missed me because I didn't live on campus. I came here for class. I might've had lunch here and I went back home and I was also immersed in this community already. Right. So I wasn't looking for relation. I worked at the boys and girls club. So I wasn't looking for relationships to to figure out ways to do ministry or to learn. I'm from this place. So I think it was a little bit different for me in that aspect. Right. And so I think um, for me, it was different. Does that make sense? Sure, sure, sure. And and shout out to the commuters too, you know. Yeah. This podcast is for you guys. Yeah. And um and we want to be offering good ways to find rest for that too. So, yeah. you know, how how did you then, you know, you yeah. were kind of commuting? Yeah. So, so I mean, I lived, you know, I lived just a mile, 2 miles away from the campus, right? So, coming here um wasn't wasn't too bad for me. Coming here for, you know, 3 or 4 days a week wasn't too bad for me. It wasn't too far away. But I was taking 12 to 15 credit hours a semester. Um and so you know, I did that for a while, but and I worked a full time job, and which it was it was a lot, right? It was a lot, and I had a family. I had just had a daughter, I was married, had kids, like had two. Now I had my wife had two children already, so I, I had a lot going on while I was going to school. And what I realized is, is like, my grandfather passed away, and as I look back now, I had a test at the same time. And I knew my grandfather would have wanted me to go ahead and take the class, take the test. But what I realized is, is that I didn't even grieve my grandfather's death. And my grandfather was like my father. My father was in prison growing up, so my grandfather was, was the, the closest male that I had in my life. It wasn't until a year that I realized that my life had been so busy that I didn't even have time to grieve. So it was my, my grandfather's one-year anniversary where I, I broke down and I lost it, man. And it was then that I began to look at what's going on here. I was just so busy going to school, getting grades, doing tests, doing assignments. Like, I was just so busy, right, in the world. I had to work. I take care of my family. It's not just a Christian, it's an American culture, right? That I had lost my soul. Like I lost like who I was, my emotions. Like there's no time for emotions. And, I, and honestly, there's a whole nother podcast for this because I think that this is, this is a whole, this is a challenge for marginalized people as well. Marginalized people who have been, who have been, uh, who have not been 
at the table who, who have been deprived of the resources needed for good jobs, for education, right? Marginalized people, we haven't had time to grieve. We just got to go. At the end of the day, we got to take care of our kids. We got to raise our family. We got to make it. We got to make pay bills. We got to go, 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 right? So then we don't, get a t- we don't get a chance to take a break, right? We're deprived of that because we're always just trying to make it. So I think this comes out of that. I come from a single-parent home, and I, I watch my mom struggle. She works. She works. She works. She come home. I got basketball. I got football. I got wrestling. I got practice. And she's tired, right? But she, got, she just keeps doing it anyway. She, and yet, as I, as I evaluate this, like this is part of the American culture that's unhealthy. And particularly when you're talking about systemic racism, sexism, classism, that also impacts people because who, who can take a break when all they got to do is work? Man. You're right. That could be, and that is a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. And so for me, it hit me when my grandfather passed that I didn't even grieve my grandfather's death because I was just so busy. And so that kind of set me on a trajectory to try to understand, like, how to address this. Like, what, what's too much? When do I become content? When can I say no? Right. This is when I begin to work through this kind of stuff. So, all right. Now I want to ask you then, how do you find balance between finding rest and embracing new and uncomfortable challenges that life may bring? I I know, you know, you kind of you're a believer of like, you know, pushing that box, not just living an easy, comfortable life just because of it. But how are we finding rest then anyway? Yeah, How do we find rest? I, I think that it begins with what we believe about God. I think it starts there in our belief system. Um, because I think that whatever we believe, that's what we ultimately do. And so then, like, what is it that we believe about God, right? Do we believe that God is some angry God, angry at us, and, like, we, we, when we work, we're making him happy, and all of a sudden he loves us more? Or do we believe that our relationship with God starts out in rest and love, right? And I think that that is where it starts. I think it's, it starts with where, what we think about God. And if we, Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, it talks about how Christ is seated, right, at the right hand of God. And that we are, that we are seated in Christ, who is at the right hand of God. Christ is in a place of perfect position, authority. Christ is in perfect relationship with the Father. And the work is already completed. It's already done. So one of the things, the theme throughout the book of Ephesians is uh, sit, walk, and stand. You sit, right? Sit is is sitting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It begins in rest. That's where our position begins as as children of God. It begins in rest because if we can't rest in God, we can't even walk in the world, right? Because we're walking with all this anxiety and pressure and stress and need to perform and to succeed. We can't even walk the way God wants us to walk because we're not rested, So before you do anything, you better learn how to sit. Creation begins without humans. On the sixth day, towards the latter part of the sixth day, God creates humans, man and woman. Humanity's first full day in existence is the Sabbath day, the day of rest. And he tells Adam and Eve to rest in your first full day of existence. You rest You enjoy my creation. You need to see that you didn't do this. I did it, and I created created it for you to enjoy. You didn't do this. And we need to get something straight from the very beginning. This doesn't happen because you work. 
This happens because God worked, because God did it all. And we honor that by beginning anything with acknowledging our position as children of God who can be free to rest. How do we get in that mindset, man? How do we do it? We push back against the culture. Okay. How? How? By honoring our limitations. How much can one person do? So then guess what? That may mean that if you're someone here at school and you got to work, that you're not looking to get A's. Maybe you, you would like to get an A. But at the end of the day, these jobs aren't looking for you to see if you had A's in school. That may mean that you have to say, I, I want to pass. I want to maintain my mental health. I want to pass, and I'm okay with not getting an A plus, A, B plus, even a B. This is my limitation because my identity is not found in my work. My identity is found in the completed work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. Our identity begins with rest. Out of rest, we work, but we never work to rest. We are working from rest. Because if you can't do that, you can't enter into conflict. Because then your identity is wrapped up in what everybody else thinks about you. But when you abide in Jesus, you have no problem entering into conflict because you understand your identity is in Jesus and that he is with you. The American church can't address racism because it doesn't have an identity that is built upon rest in Jesus. It's built upon confession and guilt and shame and anxiety and stress and performance and success. So we can't even tell the truth because it wasn't founded in truth. It was founded on a lie. It begins in rest because that's where our identity in Christ starts. So this impacts our relationship with our family, our children. This means that we don't have to have our children doing everything throughout the week. They don't have to be involved in every activity, every after-school program. Because why? Because then we're getting them into a place of performance. We're not, I'm not saying to not do anything and be lazy, no. But there's got to be some balance. Parents are stressed out because they're taking their kids all over the place. And really, at the end of the day, when the kids get older, they're not going to be doing all that stuff. Right? Right. So, like, how, how does that practically, how does that relate to our families, our marriages, our work, our education, our jobs, our ministry? Pastors, the majority of past, the pastors I know, they're so stressed out. They're overworked. They find their identity in the success of their church, of the success of the community, of what social media says, likes, loves, shares, laughs, they, can't, they don't even have time to really sit and talk about real life. They're, 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 the core of who they are is sucked out of them and belongs to the world. So they can't, they're not abiding in Jesus. They can't address these issues because they have to perform. This is why they can't talk about racism in the church, because if they do, then they might have to deal with the fact that there might be some donors who give lots of money to the church that may no longer want to give. That's because your identity is not found in, in the rest in, the, in Jesus. It's found in what you do. 
When we can't rest in Jesus, then we can't be faithful to Jesus' mission. So you're saying maybe you're really such, it's crazy because it's right there. It's in front of our faces but a lot of these times. And we just got to like break down that wall. But you're really suggesting that we need to look and say we need to restructure our lives. Our lives are not are not based on the restorative and, and comforting work of Jesus that has said like you are enough. Yeah. Because I have done what has needed to be yeah. done. You don't need to work for And man, man, I, I guess... I guess I'm just like, what are some practical, give me something practical. I mean, it is so true. You're right. But give me some like something I can do today or whoever's listening, they can do today to say, I'm going to live into this. Yeah. Uh, You know, um, I think one of the things with your generation, I think with is, is thinking about how you limit your time on social media. All right. Not that. Don't tell me that. I mean, (laughs) I, I, I think this because so much of your identity and in in my and people, my generation too is being wrapped up in likes, loves and shares. Right. Right. So then what's it look like to abide in Jesus and not have to need those. Anytime you're looking at your phone compulsively and you don't realize it and you don't know why is because somewhere, some way you're looking for some kind of validation that you haven't already received from Jesus. And we keep doing it. It's a cycle, and they've got and and like it keeps it almost goes into like the science of how they yeah. they've asked us to do this, and we said yes. We just feed right into it every day, and we just consume, consume, consume. Start saying no. Ooh. You you can't sign up for every ministry. You can't sign up for everything that the school asks you to sign up for. You can't serve on every com- say no to some things, man. Yeah. Start saying no. Do you think when we say no to these things that maybe it could be helpful for some people to reframe their mindset? Like when I'm saying no to this, I want to say yes to the Lord. I want to say yes, yes. to this aspect when you're, when of you, God. Yeah. When you say no, you're saying yes to the Lord. You're saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to trust you to live within the limitations that you have created me for. Tell me, what are some aspects of God's character that are most meaningful to you today? Yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> All the time, it's God's mercy, God's grace, mercy and grace, and God's justice, right? That God's justice, not in punishment, but that God's justice is about restoring right relationships, right? That relationships in God are going to be restored rightly. One way or the other, God restores. And yet, we have a part to play in that. So I would say mercy, I would say justice, I would say love. Right. I would say grace. Those are four characteristics of God that are very big for me. And I, and, and I, and I think also the fact that I don't have to knowing that I don't have to perform to gain God's love, but that God already loves me and knows me as I am right now. How do you see that in your life? How do you how do you see his mercy in your life? I mean, <laughs> um, I see God's mercy in my life knowing what I've come from in life and the fact that God called me to be a pastor, knowing that I was a a person who uh, made some horrible decisions when I was young and I was very sexually active as a child, I mean, as a youth. Um, And as a result of that, I mean, I participated in three abortions before I was 21 years old. And that's not something that I, I mean, I, I live with that today. And the fact that God, 
would save me, would redeem me, and would call me into ministry is humbling. Thank you for your vulnerability. It's mercy. What message do you have to students that are struggling right now, maybe, that they just, they, they know, they hear it all, they hear everything we're saying right here today, but they just don't know how to take that first step. They just, they don't even know how to think about saying no. They don't even know how to think about God's mercy. They're just stuck. What can you say to them that if it was your last ditch effort to help them out of that hole? I would say that they can't afford not to say no. Jesus offers us time and time again to be made well, to be made whole. And we have a response. And at the end of the day, the response that we choose shows what we really believe. If we respond and we're able to tell people no, it shows that we really believe that God loves us already as we are. And we find our identity in his rest. If we can't say no, it's because we find our identity in what others think about us and performance in our appearance. I, I, I don't see it any other way. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think, students, you got some powerful, heavy-hitting and, and true things here from Pastor Morell. Um, and we're just so grateful to have him here today. Pastor, I got one more question for you. Yeah. This one's a little lighter. This uh, podcast is called the Sela Sofa Podcast. Yeah. So that word Sela, we're really focusing on that rest and that peace of yeah. God. Um, but there's also the word sofa. And so I want to know, what's the uh, most memorable or comfortable sofa you've ever sat on in your entire life? Most memorable and comfortable sofa I've ever sat on in my life. Um, I would say... Uh, my best friend, um, he had a sofa in uh, Memphis, Tennessee that was, um, it was like my feet, I'm 6'2", and my feet dangled on this sofa. Um, it was so big that it could be a bed, um, and that was the most memorable and most comfortable sofa I've ever been on in my life. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, joining us, dropping some amazing things. You know, this two-parter, it's been a great. I hope you've enjoyed these past two weeks. You're having a great holiday season. Thank you to Pastor Morell for being here. And uh, thank you to the listener for joining us. Uh, we've got some more great episodes coming for you the rest of the semester. So hold on tight and have a great rest of your week. Thanks. Bye.